0: Welcome to the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous Intentional Parenting, where two guys discuss and explore the challenges of parenting. They share their experiences, ideas, and perspectives as they search for ways to be better sons, husbands, and dads. Here are the hosts, Joseph Winkle and Taylor Greenhall. Good afternoon, Taylor. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing well today. How are you? I'm doing awesome.
1: I've had a really great week. Me too. something that's kind of been on my heart uh, lately, and I Hope we can generate a little bit of a discussion about it today. I'll introduce it by telling you about one of my favorite authors on on parenting. Her name is Meg Meeker. She's a pediatrician. I've read a couple of her books on fatherhood, and they're just they're just fantastic. I, I think she has a unique perspective uh, into not just into the lives of children, but also kind of the mindset of parents, I guess. And I was looking through one of her books that I had read on fatherhood, uh, looking at some of the notes I'd taken and written down and passages i'd marked and one thing that struck a chord with me because i am this i've mentioned it in a previous episode is being a perfectionist and how dangerous that can be especially when we're talking about our children and and raising our children Uh, you know it's dangerous not only because it's not possible but what she says is when someone who is a perfectionist doesn't attain the level of perfection that they're hoping to um they they really go to the other side they not not only do they think they're not perfect but they actually tend to think that they're a terrible parent and where that leads in her observation and experience is uh, especially fathers feeling like they're not needed in the family unit and the scary thing for me is that i have had this conversation with my wife in a moment in moments of struggle where i have said i truly feel like you and the children might be better without me in their lives. And I was thinking about the experience when I had this conversation with my wife, and I thought it almost would have been better if I I would have said that in a temper tantrum, you know, where I could have something to blame it on. Um,
0: Makes sense. I was just
1: angry, and I just said something I didn't mean. But it wasn't. It was a genuine conversation that my wife and I were having sitting at the table. And where it was scary for me is... In that moment, it was how I truly felt about
0: myself as a father, because of some problem or mistake or non-perfection or event that had taken place, right? A
1: perceived shortcoming in my on my end as a father. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, my poor kids—they have to deal with me as their dad. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's scary when you think about what your own thoughts can can make you think or make you say, I should say.
0: Yeah, well and, and more importantly, make you feel. Yeah. Because it's what we feel that really dictates our lives, and our behavior. Um sometimes those feelings make it into words, and then those words eventually become behaviors. But what you're describing, this idea that um we as fathers see ourselves falling short and then instead of addressing that with hope to do better, we withdraw mm-hmm. And not only withdraw from um, the idea that there's no perfection, we withdraw from literally fatherhood. I know that in my life, uh, as I've made mistakes and clearly regretted those mistakes as a father, I've withdrawn, withdrawn from the relationships, withdrawn from even the time with children. And you can withdraw in a million different ways. I see a lot of men withdraw in activities, Mm They go and find activities that uh, keep them busy and keep them from having to interact with their family. Some technology is the big one these days. That's where I found myself. You just withdraw into distraction, entertainment, right. and pretty soon the very thing you're worried about is that you're a, maybe a ineffective or not a not a great father has come to pass because you have withdrawn from the the process of being a father. And so, very good point. And, and how great, though, that you at least expressed it, even to your wife, whereas I think most men internalize it, yeah. would never speak those words, but then immediately react as if it is the reality, that somehow they're terrible fathers and better off if uh, they weren't a part of that process.
1: Yeah. Yeah, in fact, that's the that for me was the, the turning point, was expressing that to my wife. An, even as embarrassed or frustrated as I felt in expressing it. I'm grateful that my wife had a different perspective than I did. Um, And I think that's a big part is you and I have talked about how do we we manage our thoughts? How do we control the way we think so it doesn't control the way we act? I think that was the big one for me is having people around me, specifically my wife, who um, probably understood a little bit my level of frustration I knew that even though it was a, a serious conversation, that maybe I was speaking a little bit out of emotion. She helped me to orient my thoughts back to the good things I've done as a father and how, despite what I thought, my family did want me around and did need me around. And that kind of helped bring me out of um, that funk. I know a few episodes, we, we, when we were talking about your friend, we talked about the importance of... We're not, we're probably not going to be able to avoid these frustrating or situations where we feel like failures, but the, the, the resolution is to not stay in there, stay in, in those moments. Exactly. And dwell on them, just like you've said, because then it will, will, you know, manifest itself if we say, well, my wife is much better at changing diapers than I am, so I'm not going to do it anymore. And that might be true. In fact, it probably was true. My <laughs> wife is much more efficient at diaper changing than I was when our kids were in diapers. But thankfully, she still allowed me to do it, and I look back at those. It sounds funny. I look back at those experiences as some of the fondest memories I have with my kids during those years because um, just because of the opportunity to interact with them.
0: Yeah. Well, you are a great father. Anybody who says their fondest memory is is changing diapers (laughs) is a great father. Boy, would, 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 uh, there be so many mothers out there hoping that would be the case. Well, I, I, I feel like we're, we're right on the same page. And, you know, it's probably worth just taking a minute to say, as we are feeling despair, as we're feeling hopelessness, as we're feeling to withdraw, from something that we desire so much, to be fathers and be husbands. It's important, uh, I think, that people follow that example you set, Taylor, and is talk to someone. If you can talk to your wife, perfect. If you could talk to a friend, great. If you could talk to a religious leader or a, a counselor, great. But please talk to somebody because the path of that seed that's planted that people are better without me if nurtured and and given energy, could lead to very dark places Absolutely. where people want to, uh, you know, withdraw from life. And this is a huge, again, epidemic among um, men, uh, fathers. So just to, to put that out there, if you are having those thoughts and feelings, please be strong enough and courageous enough to share that with someone, and you will quickly, like your experience, Taylor, have someone say. That's absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. Because that's what happens. We just need to hear what is true. And what we're talking about today is as true as it gets. And that's um, what we think and what we put our time and energy into grows, good or bad. And so the thoughts that we... Um, put our time and energy into, manifest into our circumstances, realities. So we've been talking just the last few days about this great book, one of my favorite books, um, by James Allen, As a Man Thinketh, written in the 1800s and a beautiful, beautiful treatise on the power of thought and how thoughts direct our lives and create our lives. In fact, uh, we were reading this as a family, and my wife likes She's a teacher, and she likes to have us memorize uh, us, me and the kids. <laughs> and so uh, we were memorizing parts of this book, and, and one part that my wife and I memorized, I'll just uh, quote it. I'm not reading it. It says, man, or, Mind is the master power that molds and makes, and man is mind, and evermore he takes. The tool of thought and shaping what he wills brings forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills, He thinks in secret and it comes to pass, environment is but his looking glass. And of course that's beautiful language, but in essence it's simply saying, uh, if you want to know what's really going on inside of you, just look around you. Because our thoughts create our reality. And our reality is a perfect looking glass or reflection or mirror of what's in our hearts. And we just don't think about that anymore. We don't think about the idea that our thoughts, Hearts are guiding our lives. We think our brains are. We think our thoughts are. We think my list of things to do are guiding my life. But the reality is behind those thoughts is the intents of our heart. And just as uh, the title of the book from the scripture, As a man thinketh, so is he. This is the truth that we should all come to learn and accept that what we think and focus on becomes our life
1: mm-hmm. and I think I've in discussing this book with you and with some other people I learned uh, this is my grandmother's favorite book so I had an opportunity to talk a little bit about it with my mom today that is or excuse me this weekend but um, I feel like as I talk about it sometimes it's easy to oversimplify this idea and say oh you just you know make it sound like oh you just need to think positive thoughts and everything is going to be just rosy in your life and I think that would be my one caution. And the thing I'm learning is that this is a constant, uh, a constant effort that needs to be made. It's a, like you said in your quote, it's a tool. It's a tool that we can continue to learn how to use more efficiently. And I don't know how much I've talked to you about this personally, Joe, but I, the, this is something I struggle with. I've struggled with anxiety for a, a good majority of my life. And when those moments of anxiety kick in, for me, it is my thoughts. It's my thoughts about my, my role as a husband and a father, my career, my ability to provide for my family. Those are the things that kick in and start to increase the doubts in my mind. And it's something that I have to pay close attention to every single day. And even when I do that, it's it's still a, a, a bit of a struggle for me. I feel like I'm still in the process of refining the use of this tool, which is my heart, my thoughts, directing my life. But I, for, for me, what encourages me, and hopefully if someone listen, listening has those same thoughts, is, is that there can be a change in the way that we think about ourselves, whether it be as a father or just as a person, um, as an employee, you know, we, we can change the way we think about ourselves and our abilities so we may feel like, well, I'm just stuck in this rut of negative thought, but we don't ever have to be stuck anywhere. And like you said, sometimes it takes meeting with a counselor or, or you know, talking with your wife or, or a religious leader about it to kind of help move you out of that rut, but it is possible, and I think that's that's my hope as we discuss this. And if people are listening to it have that concern that's my hope is you don't have to be stuck there uh, because I know I have found myself stuck in feelings of anxiety and the thoughts that accompany it and it's extremely frustrating and in the moment you can feel a little bit hopeless and um, I think if there's anything I've learned that could maybe help someone is that that you don't have to feel that way all the time
0: yeah well I, I think you bring up I, with this idea of anxiety, even depression, these are this is epidemic times, mm-hmm. and can only imagine uh, with the pressures of this world and fatherhood that this is something that uh, men are struggling with. And I, I of course have these struggles sometimes. I have a lot of friends who share these struggles with, and that's because our minds make it real; they truly make it real. So, for anyone who doubts that that our mind can dictate our feelings and even our physiology. I would just like to just share an example of how this worked. So uh, years ago, and this will date me, uh, some of my one of my friends called up and said, "Hey, you want to go to a movie tonight?" And that's something we used to do when our kids were in bed and our wives weren't interested in seeing an action movie. We'd just get some guys and go. And so we went to see a movie uh, with Will Smith called I Am Legend. Okay, if anyone's ever seen that. So, I don't really care for scary movies personally or even super suspenseful because of the physical effect it has on me. And so, I end up getting picked up by a van load of guys. We go to a movie and I'm not even sitting, I don't even know either of the guys I'm sitting next to. And there's a scene where he's walking into this building and it's pitch black and it's filled with basically zombies. Mm -hmm. And he's just got this flashlight, he's looking for his dog and the flashlight points And so, you know, there's nothing there, and it points again, there's nothing there. And all of a sudden, it points, and there's a group of these, you know, creatures kind of standing. Well, I've seen enough movies that the minute it goes quiet and this is happening, something's coming, right? (laughs) So now what is happening? My body starts to feel that this thing is coming. I don't know what it is, but I know it's going to be scary. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, how do I close my eyes (laughs) because I don't want to see it? with two people next to me that I don't even know they're going to see me sitting in this movie closing my eyes so I'm like trying to look out of one eyeball (laughs) like not watch it so I don't jump when the thing happens now again I understand I'm sitting in a theater I know zombies aren't real I know there's nothing to be afraid of and yet my whole physiology has changed to the point where I'm almost panicking about what's better sure enough the flashlight moves you see this group everyone yells and jumps and i'm just like oh why do i put myself through <laughs> this? the best actually uh is the movie's over and nobody's talking everyone's just like breathing like oh, oh finally like we all just stopped holding our breath we get into the van and we're probably 10 minutes on our way home and one of the guys goes one well, of the guys in the car goes, oh, finally. And someone goes, what? And he's like, my butt just unclenched <laughs> after a two and a half hour movie. <laughs> but it just it brings to point a reality that our thoughts are make things real to yeah. us. And so if someone is looking forward to the unknown, which is what brings anxiety, looking forward to the unknown is anxiety, it becomes real and the physical manifestation of that fear comes over their physical body and it is a painful experience or on the other hand if someone's looking back into the past on regrets things that cannot be changed well that's where depression comes from well anyways the feelings of depression come from things that cannot be changed Well, those feelings become real and hopelessness and despair So what is the the solution? Well, obviously there's many solutions. Doctors could give a lot of solutions and there's often cases where counseling, medication, all types of resources are out there to help people with anxiety and depression. But I thought it was interesting, your wife's solution. Yours was an anxiety about, well, I think you might be better off without me a part of this, thinking about the future, right? Better off in the future if I'm not in this. And what did she do? She went to the past and she gave you examples, act, not, not ideas of what might happen or not happen, but actual physical proof on experiences where you were a great father. And in teaching you truth and giving you real experiences, it, it brought down that anxiety and, and that unknown and fear to the reality, which is, oh, I am a great father. I make mistakes like everyone else. I'm going to keep on doing better, because yeah. that's the joy, is in learning to do better. Absolutely. Not in not making mistakes.
1: Absolutely. And I think maybe not even my kids are expecting me to be perfect, and that, that's reassuring to me. But I had a thought while you were talking about anxiety and looking forward. to The, the only difference between fear and faith is, is the, the outcome. If we're, if we're looking forward to anxiety, the outcome is terrible. Um, I used to I used to have that anxiety with with in school if I would take a test I knew I was going to fail even though my evidence was you'd have a history of good, <laughs> good grades but my anxiety caused me to look forward with fear to a negative outcome and if I switch to the opposite which is faith and if I'm going to create if I'm if I'm going to create an outcome in my in my mind why not create one that is positive. Yeah, favorable, and favorable. Um, I and think
0: that's the. It reminds me of. Uh, I, I wish I could think of who I learned this from, but it's this idea, right, of of prospecting the worst case scenario. And they said, so let's say failure, right? You want to try something, but you're afraid you'll fail,
1: um,
0: or something bad's going to come from that. Well, whether or not something bad does or doesn't come from it is unknown until you try. But what you know for sure. Is that fear worrying concern which is real Mm -hmm. you're choosing that in that moment so if it does go poor you've suffered twice for it the first time worrying about it the second time experiencing it on the other hand if it turns out well you would have suffered for nothing Mm -hmm. something that would never have come to us so why suffer twice you might as well just go at something hoping for the best and if it doesn't work out then at least you only had to suffer once. And right. it wasn't because you chose to suffer, you tried to do your best and suffering came.
1: Yeah, and I found it usually, even if things don't go exactly the way I hope they do, the result is something that is manageable and you can get through it easier yeah. than you would have thought.
0: Yeah, you're still here. Right. We're, we're all still alive, right? Yeah. We, nothing has taken us down yet. So that would be a good, uh, a good idea. Uh, Jim, our uh, audio guy, just checked his pulse to check if he was alive. That was clever. (laughs) But uh, excellent. Well, another uh, just thought as we kind of are winding down on this about the power of thought and going back to, you know, kind of our ideas of fatherhood and parenting. just like to share my own experience recently with this idea. So I have a child who have i've felt becoming more distant from me and this has been a painful experience because of my great love for this child as i love all my children mm-hmm. but we've always had a real special connection from the time they were young and as i've felt this distance and felt and seen these changes within this child i've thought you know they're they're believing something that's not true about themselves and and now they're starting to to act in the way that they believe and instead of all the beautiful things about themselves, they're seeing kind of the, the mistakes and the problems and it's changing their behavior and therefore changing our relationship. And it's creating this distance and, and I would you know, worry so much about this and of course I would react to it constantly whenever you know, a, a bad behavior would come up, I would kind of overreact because I was afraid of where that's leading them. And, and, and what did it do to our relationship? Well, it just pushed that child further and further away. And yet, what was the solution? Do I do nothing? You know, I'm, I am worried about it. I know they're an amazing person, but I see them going further and further away from that amazing person that they are. And it was terrifying and it was painful, so painful. But, um, as I'd been considering the power of thought and how we are projecting our th- thoughts out. People can feel how you feel. I mean, I don't think any of us have ever walked into a room and had someone who's in a terrible mood and not immediately like knowing it. that without mm-hmm. them saying a word, right? It's projected. So what I decided is just to focus on that person that this child is, who I know this person child to be, and all those experiences that are the evidence of that instead of the worry and the anxiety towards where they could be going with their lives. I was focusing on who they are and what I've already seen of them. What's been most interesting without saying any words about that, but just feeling that way myself, how our relationship even just in such a short amount of time has grown stronger and stronger and stronger and is more reflecting the relationship I had when they were very young. Mm-hmm. Of great friends and kind and being kind and loving each other, and and also what's interesting is when those same triggers come to me, like a you know maybe a poor attitude or you know misinformation they're saying things I know aren't true or even behavior that I don't agree with or or I don't like, it's not triggering me, right? Because I look at those things for as they are a moment in time. And I compare it with the reality of who this child is and who I know them to be. And I think, oh, they're just figuring things out. Yeah. So what has that done? Well, it's drawn them back in. And and what changed? Did they first change? Then I said, oh, okay, we're in good shape. No, I changed. Yeah. I changed my thoughts. I managed my emotions. And I, I put out there what I want to be the reality, and it is becoming the reality without any actual, I haven't sat down and had a conversation. I sat down and said, I really think you should change. None of those things I've done in the past, <laughs> we're just pushing this person away, um, I've done. I've just simply changed my thoughts and focus and belief. And now it's becoming very natural. And now the results are growing. And I would just really put that out there. I know we probably should do an episode on on uh, bridging the gap with children or mending those mm-hmm. broken fences with children i think but this was my first step is just changing my thoughts and emotions the more i worried and feared for this child well the further they ran from me because what they can sense it right and who wants to be around someone who's constantly thinking you're making mistakes or or heading down the wrong path you want to be around people who are encouraging and you feel supported by and they they he you know probably has a lot of those fears himself, but it um, doesn't help for me to have those fears. But my faith and belief in this child, um, now they're being dr- I think
1: that's a powerful lesson to learn, is understanding that our kids know much more about us than maybe we think they know. But uh, I think it's a, a, an appropriate place to kind of wrap this conversation up. But I. Again, hope we hope that this has helped someone who's listening. And uh, if you feel like there's someone out there that could uh, benefit from listening to this, we would invite you to share this with anybody. And we thank you for listening. Have a great day.
0: We are so glad you could join in on the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous Intentional Parenting. You can find us on all the best podcast sites. Please subscribe and share. And be a part of the conversation by sharing your ideas, posing questions, and making suggestions. Drop us a line at fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. That's one word, fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. This segment was recorded and engineered by Jim Fugate. The music for this podcast was provided by thepodcasthost.com and Alitu, the podcast maker. Find your own free music over at thepodcasthost.com slash music.